Hi, I'm Natalie Markovitz and welcome to Afogata's webinar on gaming. Wow, we can't believe it, but GDC is so close and we're super excited. Afogata is exhibiting at the Game Developer Conference in San Francisco in a few days. So if you're attending also, come say hi to our booth number 1861. We would love to meet you there. Now, let's get back to what we came for. Today, we have the pleasure of hosting Itamar Rogel, Afogata's CPO and co-founder. Thanks for joining us today in the webinar called Don't Blame the Players, Blame the Game, where we will discuss how to leverage player feedback to make games stick. Players trust companies to entertain them to the max. So this means that these companies are in constant search to know exactly what users want, what is trending, and what will stick. Does player feedback enable brands to create a seamless experience? How can companies learn and improve their games faster than ever before? Let's find out. So let's start, Itamar. Um, for the first question, we would love to ask you, so you are the, you are the CPO at Afogata. So as a product professional, how do you think product teams in gaming companies can utilize player feedback? I think this is a great question. And because we work with really a lot of gaming companies, and we see a lot of uh, how different companies, different cultures, and also different game types, right? It, it would be different for a console game versus a, a mobile hyper casual game. We see a lot of these different processes. And I think that because of that, the first thing that I would start from is actually the things that you should not think about is processing feedback, right? And what I mean by that, sometimes when we talk to, uh, to product people and content people and we talk to them about, hey, use like player feedback integrated into the game, into decision-making about the game, about the content that you're creating, they're thinking, uh, their initial response is like, what do you mean? People, they always complain about the same things. They want, like if it's a, a free-to-play game, oh, they always want whatever it is, right? More coins, more whatever it is it is given in the game. Uh, if it's a console game, there's like a kind of recurring complaint that people would have. Uh, and that's true. But the thing is, you shouldn't think as, as uh, on, on the feedback as just like, oh, I'm reading this and people are asking for more coins or more cards or whatever it is. So this is the feedback and this is what we need to do. Uh, you should really kind of step one layer beyond that and understand, first of all, why are people complaining? Sometimes it's just, yeah, people want, want more stuff, of course. But sometimes, you know, there's maybe a breaking point in the game where people like give up, like, oh, I feel this is unfair, right? They, they reach some point where it's like, this is too much because, you know, by now people who play this, uh, this uh, kind of games, they know what to expect. They know that it's, this is a free-to-play game. There's some free stuff. Sometimes I can buy stuff or whatever it is. So yeah, some people would be unreasonable, but you can look at the feedback at large and you can understand, first of all, the trends. How many people are complaining about it? That we made a change. That did the did the amount of people, did the relative amount of people who complain about this thing change, or was it pretty much the same? Uh, so you definitely can get insights even from the feedback that you think is worthless, from the thing that you like. People say, "Oh, well, I know people would complain about this because they always want more, always want more free stuff." Uh, and beyond that, when you really analyze the feedback properly, you can look at interesting patterns that come up from the data, things that are non-obvious. Maybe suddenly people start talking about a specific behavior that you tweaked or, you know, some character that you added or things like that. And uh, when you drill down into that, you can really, a lot of the times, uncover some really interesting aspects, whether it's about balance or about uh, things that you actually can improve or something that you thought maybe would be uh, a not so important game mechanic, or maybe even an experiment that you thought it failed. Uh, we definitely saw cases like that, right? And when you look into the feedback, you realize that, hey, this is something that people use in may maybe a way that we didn't expect. Um, and you can match it, of course, the idea is to, to match the feedback 
with your quantitative analytics, right? With, with the analytics package that you have. So really when we see the best, like the best practices apply, like in the, really the leading games, they use all this data together. They basically use the feedback together with the quantitative stuff to give meaning to the things that the numbers show. And this allows them to really do sometimes very little changes that uh, really move the needle quite a lot. So I would definitely suggest uh, first giving the feedback a chance if you haven't yet, like really processing this data, using a proper tool to really understand the subtleties and uh, you know kind of distinguish the signal from the noise. And um, we see a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of big uh, improvements in engagement and in retention when uh, when people do that. That is super interesting for product teams. Definitely, that's these actionable insights can can change um, the product and what people think. So I, I I love that answer. And what do you identify as the biggest challenge in leveraging player feedback? So I think at the base level, uh, and I know it sounds kind of basic, but it's, it's really where a lot of uh, a lot of gaming studios are. It's just really hard, you know, you have these thousands or, you know, tens of thousands or more reviews and messages. And if you have a community, then you have messages from your community. If people write you on social media or you engage in social media as a, you know, your community managers or whoever is responsible for that in the organization, you just have a lot of data, right? You have a lot of data in different forms. A lot of it is irrelevant. Like, let's say you have a Discord server, like people there, you know, maybe they're just hanging out, they're having fun and it's very good. It's nice that your players are having fun together, but it's not really something to, you know, you don't need to, you know, scan through conversations about what uh, someone had for breakfast or whatever it is. So really at the basic level is just coping with the amount of data and uh, really finding those little bits that are super relevant, right? Like maybe I'm on the Discord server, just uh, shooting the breeze and talking about uh, my coffee today. But, uh, you know, within this huge conversation that I'm having with some people, there's a couple of sentences we talk about this latest addition that you made to the game, a new character, whatever it is. And this is actually maybe super meaningful. Maybe, you know, it's your whales spending and you're spending some time in your community server and they're giving you insights for free, basically, and uh, you need to find them. So I think really the basic challenge is having either a process or a tool or the ability to find those little bits within the sea of feedback that are really relevant. Um, and of course, it goes beyond that. And I think we, we will touch on some of that, but that's the, really the basic challenge that you need to kind of get over the hump in order to start utilizing it as part of your process. Right, and, and prioritize um, the most relevant um, insights, right? Yeah. Um, so what is the most impactful way you've ever seen a gaming company leverage player feedback? Hmm. That's a really great question. I think, so it's actually hard to answer because we see a lot of interesting changes and a lot of like, like we always said, like, you know, when the work with the player feel with a player voice connects to the KPIs and different, you know, different gaming studios, they have different KPIs. Maybe they're focusing on retention, they're focusing on uh, kind of engaging more their most, uh, most active players, or maybe they, they want to kind of actually kind of increase their long tail of people who are maybe not where level engaged or not super engaged, but are actually, you know, potentially long-term active players. So it really depends. So we see a lot of great stuff. I think, uh, so I, I will, you know, kind of apply my own bias in, in what, uh, what is always very interesting for us to see is that when you integrate the feedback into your process, right? So it's great if you like had a major release or you change the game considerably or you're trying something new, 
And then a lot of the times, yeah, you go and you look at the feedback, you look at everything that people say across all the mediums, and you, you process it, you apply it to whatever iteration you're doing. This is great. And this is, of course, very, very meaningful. But what we like seeing uh, and what we feel is kind of a, a more long-term thing, but very, very fruitful, very rewarding for you know students that applied uh, applied well is when it becomes part of your process, right? You do a release, you look at the things that people say, even the small changes, even the little trends, well, and I kind of touched on this before, can tell you quite a lot, right? About uh, you know how do people feel about the changes that you've made? A lot of the times you maybe have a very successful game already, and you kind of you know obviously when you have uh, uh, you know that uh, that uh, egg laying hen or whatever. Or, or the chicken, I'm sorry. But, uh, but you have that son that lays, you know, lays those eggs for you. The changes that you make are pretty, uh, pretty minuscule, right? They're not big. You're not making huge changes to a game that's, you know, that engagement is great. It's overall working. And so you kind of can miss out on those little things that are really, uh, really, even though for you, they're small, you, you didn't change the main mechanic of the game. But for the players, they're actually very meaningful, right? Maybe, you know, you get uh, whatever treasure boxes in the game and you change the frequency or you add a little extra mechanic that now you can get them on this little like new opportunity or a little mini game in the game that's like, oh, you do this and then you solve it and then you can get something for free. These things that may feel like they're kind of small, they're not big within the whole mechanic of the game. But for the players, especially as you have this existing base of players, they can actually be very meaningful in how much they enjoy the game. Is those little surprises, they like it, or maybe they hate it. Maybe it's super annoying and kind of distracting them from the main thing that they like during the game. So when you integrate the feedback, like the kind of a feedback loop, tight feedback loop into your process, that's where we feel you can really reap long-term rewards. And you can turn you know, successful releases to basically continue and really extend their lifespan and make them ever more successful. So I think that's that's really a, a very big deal that we like seeing when, when it happens. Yeah, it actually makes total sense because if um, product teams or gaming companies would listen to what um, their players are saying and they change certain features according to that, that means that they will retain more customers. So it does make total sense. Um, and for the next question, I would love to know if do you see any differences between mobile games and PC or console games in terms of making the most out of the player feedback? Uh, yeah, so this is, I would say this is actually a loaded question because I think uh, it's funny, of course, players, of course, you know, gamers care about that deeply, but also game creators care about that deeply, right? Because I think everyone feels that with so many games being, uh, you know, free to play, there's all the mobile games, obviously the casual games, the monetization uh, mechanisms are really a core part of the game. And uh, I mean, without judging, you know, nobody, uh, <laughs> some games feel like, okay, this is like, this is a monetization piece that you play, right? This is not even, so I think a lot of people have strong emotions about it and uh, like it or not, I mean, you know, gaming is a business, right? And I think, uh, you know, you create something for people to enjoy and it needs to be sustainable. And obviously there's great businesses that are, are built, uh, you know, uh, in the gaming space. So there's definitely a very big difference because when you look at mobile games, you look at the, those, you know, free to play games and hyper casual games, the monetization piece is part of the game mechanics is just, uh, I was, it's, it's not, it's a very big deal. It is the deal, right? So it does affect the decisions and, you know, uh, like it or not, that's just uh, what, you know, what the product is about. So 
definitely you have not only it impacts what you do, but people judge their decision, like they evaluate the decisions in a, in a perspective of what the impact was on monetization on their performance and all that. And not only that, they, they also, you know, this is, it's not like, oh, some people are greedy. It's not, not, not that at all. First of all, it's a business, but secondly, it's, you know, it's tied to expenses on the other end, right? You're bringing players for somewhere. This is very costly. Uh, you need to make sure that your metrics are in order, that you're bringing players profitably for uh, profitably, I'm sorry. And uh, this is a this is a tricky thing to balance out. So definitely, this is something that um, is quite you know prominent when you work on these type of games. Whereas in you know console games and PC games, I mean nowadays the models also vary there. But by and large, you have a bit more creative space to optimize for engagement. And uh, we see different creators care about different things, whether it's long-term enjoyment of the game, keeping people engaged, and not for monetization reasons, just for, I mean, of course, too, but just to kind of maximize the value in the game or to create a more interesting uh, evolution in how people play the game over time. Uh, and that's, you know, super interesting. And um, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to go into any arguments with anyone, but I would say maybe it's a bit more pure in the gaming sense of the, of, uh, of the experience. Uh, and I think probably you know probably people would agree, but this is a different. This is a definitely a, a very hot topic for both gamers and creators, and uh, you always have to balance out the experience with uh, with the business, of course. Definitely. And do you think that a game can survive today without player feedback analysis? Um, well, that's a great that's a great question. I think also because how you phrase it, like, can a game survive, right? Because I think. We all know, and I think, you know, everyone loves these stories of like these, uh, uh, you know, kind of instant hits, right? Like, uh, I mean, this is, I'm gonna, this is really old school, an old school example, but you know, the whatever, Flappy Bird style, like someone, you know, maybe it's a single game creator who doesn't even care about anything and he created or he or she created this game and everyone loves it. Uh, and they, you know, didn't listen to player feedback, maybe except, you know, their friends playing it and telling them, oh, this is really cool, you can release it, right? But really, uh, that's good for, I think, instant hits. And it doesn't mean that you can have longevity. But even when we think about the, those uh, instant hits, I think when they have a long lifespan, like think about games that are, you know, we kind of remember them as uh, instant hits. Everyone were, were, you were playing them, but now they're kind of sus sustained brands like Candy Crush or Angry Birds, or and, you know, those type of brands. I think you see that when they want to get the, long-term lifespan, they really have to incorporate player feedback, right? Now, I'm not saying there could be, they're definitely out there, you know, people like they're the Steve Jobs of gaming and they know what people want. They don't need to ask anyone or whatever. That's fine. Of course, there's always a, maybe a, a handful of people like that. But by and large, if you want to create a sustainable game that people uh, enjoy over time, I think listening to feedback in one form or another, you know, there's definitely a lot of ways to do that. But I think it's pretty essential. It's pretty, it's pretty essential in having a, a long life for the a long, a long lifespan for a game. So yeah, Zita, Mar, it's so nice to have you here. Uh, we're super excited to attend this this year GDC in San Francisco. So we know that you're attending with the team. Can you let us know a bit more about it? Where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, we're attending GDC uh, for the first time since uh, the coronavirus uh, started, and really we're super excited. I think you know we're gonna we're gonna be we're going to be there. We're going to have our team there. And we're really looking forward to meeting people in person and engaging again. Uh, super curious how it's going to pan out because I think this year is a hybrid event, right? 
and uh, it's definitely definitely something we're looking forward to. Uh, so we're going to be at uh, uh, booth P1861, 1861, uh, next to the meeting rooms. And come say hi, and uh, we promise to be nice. We'll show you some cool stuff. And uh, we're really, really looking forward to, you know, engaging face-to-face -face again. It's been, it's been too long. And that was it for our webinar on the importance of player feedback and how gaming companies can leverage it. Itamar, thank you so much for taking the time to participate in today's webinar. Thanks all for listening and let us know if you're also attending GDC. We would love to meet you. And don't forget to visit us at www.afogata.com. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we're super excited to GDC uh, this year and uh, come say hi.